Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Well, you know, it's winter, middle of January. It's not going to be great weather till what, middle of April, I guess. But that's okay. This time of year, we expect fickle weather, and as a gardener, that's just the way it goes. Hey, y'all, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've tuned into the Gestalt Gardener, which is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My awesome producer, Java Chapman, and I are going to spend the next hour opening up this screen door to a garden party we call the Gestalt Gardener. So sit back, folks. We can do just a little bit of news. I got some emails, some really cheesy music coming up in about 30 minutes. But we're going to be back with the Gestalt Gardener and get dirty right after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back to the Cultural Cell Rushing, and we're talking about gardening. If you've got things on your mind that are related to flowers or shrubs or vegetables or fruits or lawns or trees or bugs or blights or whatever, it's related to gardening. We can talk about it. If it's not related to gardening, I'll give it a stab. But keep in mind, we can only talk for just a few minutes here on the radio program. And a lot of times, it's easier, more effective for me to answer a question more in-depth by email. I answer a lot of emails. matter of fact, that's what I've been doing right now. Um, just got one from a fellow who wants to know about putting an irrigation system in his, in his yard. And uh, I gave him a little bit more advice than maybe he wanted. But uh, in general, I said uh, a watering system is simply a water delivery system. It's a little bit expensive to put in, can be expensive and and, uh, a little tricky to maintain over the long time, but most important, an irrigation system is to water the lawn when it needs it, not to run it three times a week to impress the neighbors. I've never seen a lawn ever, a lawn, a home lawn, that needs water more than every week or two at the most. If you really put the water down deep, and then let the grass dry out on the surface, it'll have much deeper, stronger, sturdier roots. Watered all the time, it's going to be a real shallow root. It's susceptible to all sorts of problems. Anyway, irrigation system is a convenience, not a requirement. It's easy to abuse. So that's my approach. If you want to talk about stuff, pros and cons, in-depth, or just sort of dabble a little bit, give us a call. It's a toll-free program, uh, 1-877-MPB-RING. We'll give the numbers over and over during the program. And it's a live program, so if you want to give me a shout, bring it on. That's what we do here. Uh, me and Java are going to be kicking around a, a, a bunch of things, but somewhere around the middle of the program, I'm going to run a cheesy tune, uh, which is sort of my way of just kind of breaking stuff up, keeping things lighthearted, not too serious about stuff. So uh, uh, that, that'll be, I, I hopefully, and to put a little smile on your face. Uh, hey, I got an email this past week from Keith Stewart down in Biloxi. He said he was walking around and saw a bunch of weird little webs all over the nearby grass, a, a big area that had a lot of webs, hundreds of them, two or three inches across. And uh, I said they're little spiders. You know, when the weather's right, the temperature's right, the moisture's right, these little spiders come out, they throw the webs out, and the dew can catch them. So you can see them a lot better. They're not a problem. They're too little to bite you. Uh, they're what I call a mid-level food chain. They eat little things, and bigger things eat them, and it all kind of works out. Anyway, uh, Java, he, he wrote back, and you can appreciate this. He wrote back and said, uh, I seem to know a lot about this sort of stuff. 
<laughs> what do you think, Java? Have, have I thrown out a bunch of stuff over the years? <laughs> yeah, you, you you said a number of things. <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I said, I said, thanks. I can't balance a checkbook. I can't cook an omelet. I can't whistle and tap my feet at the same time. I can't catch a football. But when it comes to remembering stupid little garden-related esoterica, yeah, I can do that. That's all I can do. So anyway, hey, you've been staying dry, Java. It's been raining off and on a whole lot in Mississippi. Yeah, we've been trying to stay dry, you know, especially in uh, the central uh, Mississippi area, a lot of flooding and things like that. We're actually supposed to get some more rain on tomorrow. So we just been, you know, trying not to get washed away. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's what we do this time. You kind of hunker down. You know, I wish we could cut and paste, you know, like we can on a computer, this weather and cool weather and rain and stuff like that, because come summer, we're going to wish we had days like this. But anyway, a lot of people are getting ready for uh, for springtime. A lot of people still getting over last year. But you know, there's some things anybody wants to talk about, planting things, getting ready for things, worried about things. Uh, give us a call. Again, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Um, got a couple of emails I want to share with you. But first, let's slide up to to uh, Cohoma County, Clarksdale. Hey, John, thank you for calling from the Delta. What's up? Felder, what's going on? Not a thing. Just lay low, man. I hear you. I hear you. It's a good day to do that. But um, but as soon as it warms up a bit and dries up a bit, i got a project I was calling you about. I've got a, a little Jim Magnolia right beside my porch. I love that tree. Yeah, but it's uh-huh. it's it's kind of outgrown uh, the area. I probably uh, planted it a little too close to the yeah. porch, and it's gotten up to about ten feet high. So, yeah. I'm wondering if I could prune that thing back and dig it up and transplant it if it had a chance of making it, or well, I'm just out of luck. It might that. be. It might be getting a little bit big to transplant. You know, once a tree's been in the ground two or three years, uh, its its roots grow way out. You know, stick your arms out, wiggle your fingers. That's where the roots are. And if you dig it, you just could be moving the the neck and the shoulders. That's it. So if you were going to move it, you'd probably need to prune it back ahead of time. But hey, think about this: you can treat a little Jim magnolia like a bush, like a big coarse leaf bush. You can prune it like a you know how some people let camellias grow in the, the trees, and some people can prune them into shrubs, do the same thing with a magnolia. I didn't know that. I had no idea. Yeah, well, huh. you know, what you can do is go and take you some pruning shears and keep in mind you really should not leave any kind of stubs. If you're going to cut something off, cut it right where it starts to grow because the stub is just going to rot. You can thin out some of the limbs and then thin out some of the branches on the limbs that are left, and then whatever's left, the ends of it, you can shear them back a little bit, and they'll bush out. They'll even bloom on that new growth this year. Uh, I've even seen them espaliered, grown flat against a wall like a vine. Huh. Well, that is brilliant advice. I knew you were the one to call. It's a whole lot easier. The worst you can do is booger it up, but come on. Well, yeah, I mean, the worst case is it it would die, but if I dig it up, it may die anyway. Yeah, you can can prune it just like a big bush. That's all it is to it. The main thing is, uh, you know, thin out some of the big stuff, thin out some of the middle stuff and whatever's left. Just kind of cut last year's growth back about halfway, and it'll sprout out just fine this spring. Now, if by the way, if you do it between now and March, the neighbors are going to talk about you because it's not going to do anything till spring. So the lady can put it off the less likely you're going to have the garden club and folks yakking about you. I mean, they're going to talk about you anyway. I'm, I'm from the Delta. What am I saying? That work for you? <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Hey, let's go to, 
Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, have you been downtown Clarksdale lately? Have you seen those those uh, flower pots made that are tires down at Ground Zero? Yeah, I have. I made those for a beer apiece. <laughs> I, I, I'd say Morgan Freeman got a good deal then. <laughs> Who can make that stuff up, man? Anyway, stay dry. <laughs> See you later. All right. Thanks a lot. Yep. Okay. Okay, and this slide, yeah, I made flower pots out of tires for a beer apiece. There's reason ones close to the door look good. The further from the door they got, the raggedier they got looking. Anyway, let's talk to Heather down in Flowood. Hey, Heather, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, this is Howdy. not quite a gardening question, so okay. it may not be something you know or not. I have recently got into foraging for, like, wild mushrooms. Yeah. Do you know anything about if there are any groups in Mississippi that do that? Or, you know, I'd like friends, essentially. Is, is, yeah. Do you know anything about people that do that? Well, for, for, first of all, you, you already know, you know, the old adage about old and bold mushroom hunters, right? I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, there are some people who do forage, who, who actually, uh, who organize forages. Uh, I don't, I've not worked with them because, to be honest with you, I, I just, I don't eat oysters, I don't eat mushrooms, but, you know, I'm just not that, I'm not bent that way. Uh, but there's a, there, there's a group, small group that gets organized and you can get in touch with them through the Museum of Natural Science there uh, across from, from St. Dominic's on Lake, uh, off Lakeland Drive. If you contact the Natural Science Museum, uh, you know, they, they have a mycologist on hand who knows all these kind of people, and they know when they're organizing. Oh, okay. And I think there actually may be a, uh, uh, a Facebook or some kind of page like that where they sort of get together. I, I just don't know how to get in touch with them. Okay, yeah, I'll contact the museum. Thank you. Okay, you bet. Have fun and be careful. Will do. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, folks, you want to give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring If you're not familiar with that old adage, it's real simple. There are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old, bold mushroom hunters. Anyway, just want to throw that out. And let's slide up to, speaking of, of mushroom, I went on a mushroom forage, a foray, uh, with a bunch of folks up, out from, from Oxford, and we got a caller from Oxford named William. Hey there, good morning. Uh, good morning, Felder. How are you? Yeah, fine, thanks. Uh, What's going on? Well, I had a question about butternut trees. Um, I know historically there were just very few of them growing in far north Mississippi. I was wondering if that's something that uh, successfully take when you plant them here still. And if you do plant them, uh, are they toxic to your surrounding plants and vegetables, just like a black walnut? Well, a, a butternut is, is a, a, a species of walnut. And, uh, and it mm -hmm. should grow perfectly fine. Should grow, I, I don't know of any butternut trees, but uh, I know that they, that they grow okay in our part of the country. Uh, I don't even know where you'd buy any. But uh, as far as they're being – you know, the, the thing about the walnuts being poisonous plants around them, it's a little overblown to tell you the truth. It's one of those things where people mm -hmm. take something that's true and they, they, they inflate it uh, beyond what's really necessary. So I really wouldn't so much mm -hmm. worry about that. I'm just going to have one, out, one or two out in the yard or something like that. Um, but anyway, and I don't, I don't know really where you could, could, could get a, a butternut tree unless you can find someplace online. Anyway, it's a common tree. I just don't know who sells it. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. And again, don't worry about the root thing. That's, that's one of those little overblown things, really. Mm, that's good to know. I appreciate it. Okay. We appreciate your call, man.
problem. Alrighty, folks, you want to give us a call? It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I'm horticulturist Phil Rushing. Not a really a horticulturist anymore. Once a horticulturist, always a horticulturist. Uh, and um, but at the same time, I'm trying to be a better gardener, which looks on the lighter side of things. If you're into crop production, you want to get yard of the month, you want to win a blue ribbon. I can help you with that. But if you just want to relax and enjoy the hen bit and the wild onions and the garlic and stuff and the bees, I can help you with that too. Doesn't matter to me, your yard. So whatever you want to chat about, give us a call. It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring, or shoot me an email garden at MPB online. It's a live program here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Glad to be here. And we'll be back with some of your more, more of your phone calls right after this. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing here. I welcome your phone calls. It's a live program. Uh, I'm talking to a fellow up in Oxford uh, uh, right before the, the break about butternut hickory. I learned about butternuts when I was studying uh, plants in college. You don't see a lot of them in the deep south. They're more up in the mountains, north Mississippi, all the way up into Canada, up in New England and uh, Illinois and you know Wisconsin and places like that. Uh, but they are native to north Mississippi. And uh, since he's calling from Oxford, I thought that I'd give that a try. Kind of hard to find some of these unusual fruits. Uh, but I'm going to be giving a presentation, uh, a thing I do every year. It's a free uh, workshop on selecting and planting and caring for home fruit plants. That's going to be a month from now. It's going to be in uh, in, in uh, February. Uh, but it's, it's, and it's in Jackson. It's usually an hour and a half or so stand-up thing where we talk about the types of fruits that grow well in Mississippi and the varieties of each, which is important as a time, because not all varieties will grow in all parts of the state or produce. Uh, also, planting and pruning and general care, stuff like that. Uh, that's coming up in um, in about a month. We've got plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, but I would like to mention a couple of things going on this weekend I think you'd be interested in. Uh, this is going to be, for one thing, the um, – the orchid growers throughout the Gulf states, all along the Gulf Coast, are coming to Mississippi. They're going to be duking it out, out who has the best orchids uh, this weekend, uh, January 24th, 25th, and 26th. Uh, that's, excuse me, next weekend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's going to be in Gaucher at the Gaucher Convention Center. For, it's the Gulf Coast Orchid Show and Plant Sale. It's a free program, and uh, they'll even provide ballots for for People's Choice Awards. Go around and look at the different displays on Friday and Saturday before 3 o'clock. Uh, anyway, you can help decide who's got what you think is the best display of orchids. But that's next weekend, uh, January 24, 25th, and 26th in Gaucher at the Gaucher Convention Center down on the the, the coast. Um, but this weekend, the Old Garden Rose Society, and these are folks I've known a long time when they first got started. The uh, the the Old Garden Rose Society 
uh, they, they grow the shrub roses, the, the climbers, the not fussy kind of roses, the kinds that just have great fragrance and pretty flowers and tend to bloom a lot without a whole bunch of care. Anyway, they're having uh, their regular meeting this Sunday, January the, the 19th. It's going to be at the Community Center in Pearl, Mississippi, just just south of uh, south uh, west of southeast of Jackson. Uh, the program is an old friend of mine, Cecile Wardlaw. Cecile executive director at the uh, historic Greenwood Cemetery. It's that cemetery a block north of the state capitol building in Jackson. Uh, the historic Greenwood Cemetery has got all sorts of cool shrubs and bulbs and all, uh, but it, for the past, oh, 20 something years, 20 something plus years, they've been growing roses between the, between the tombstones that are great. They bloom well, they grow well, they don't need a whole bunch of care. And the Old Garden Rose Society, takes care of them. Anyway, uh, Cecile is going to be giving a program uh, at the Old Garden Rose Designer meeting Sunday at 2 o'clock at the Community Center in Pearl. If you're interested in roses, you but you don't want to fuss with them a lot, you want the ones that grow and bloom and smell and all that, and the ones that you can root from cuttings without being grafted and all that stuff, uh, this is a great program to go to. By the way, the Old, Rose and Gar- Old Garden Rose Society is going uh, to have a pruning demonstration on February the 8th. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But anyway, if you're interested in the roses that bloom well, that grow well in our climate without a bunch of care, Old Garden Rose Society, Community Center in Pearl, uh, Sunday at 2 o'clock, this coming Sunday. Uh, if you've got some things you'd like to talk about, if there's some things I can help promote, give me a call. toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Shoot me an email. I'll be glad to, to help promote it any way I can. But right now, that's about all I've got. Between that and uh, the the uh, Hutto's Garden Center uh, home fruit presentation, which is free, that's going to be a February 16th. Not much else. If you know some things I can promote, bring it on. By the way, I got a, an email from a, a lady who says she has two oleander bushes uh, that got burned back pretty hard by that sudden hard freeze we had a, a month or so ago. It was a sudden freeze. It was a hard freeze. But oleanders, uh, even though they're tough as nails, I've seen them growing in parking lots in the Mojave Desert. They're really, really tough plants. They're susceptible to deep or sudden freezes. Luckily, you can cut them to the ground or anywhere you want to cut them, just like any kind of shrub, and they'll sprout back out and bloom on the new growth. So if they look bad, you can prune them back however you want, or you can go so far as to cut them to the ground, and they'll sprout out no problem the spring and bloom all summer on that new growth. We'd like to mention this, though. If you're pruning oleanders, be careful because of sap is, is toxic. It's not just poisonous. The sap is actually deadly poison. Wash your hands. Wear gloves or something like that. Don't rub your eyes and, and chew your fingernails until after you've washed your hands. Uh, anyway, if you have questions about pruning or planting or fertilizing, or weed control, or any of those kind of things, native plants, bring it on. Toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. We got a, uh, by the way, I want to brag again, the Gestalt Gardener podcast, which you can get by going to mpbonline.org. The Gestalt Gardener podcast got a huge boost a couple of weeks ago. Uh, One of the uh, spots that organize, an online site that organizes topics that you like and sends related things to you. It's called a it's called a RSS reader. Anyway, it's called Feedspot. Uh, they named and by the way, PC magazine said it's one of the top of these RSS feeders. It just listed the Gestalt Gardener podcast is number five 
out of the top 15 horticulture podcasts you must follow in 2020. Now, that, the other podcasts are like from, from, from England and Seattle and Australia. Our podcast came in just behind the one put out by the Royal Horticulture Society in England. So uh, anyway, I'm real pleased about that. And all we do is we talk about gardening. I talk funny. I'm a little irreverent when it comes to horticulture. Don't know everything. Stumble over my words. Uh, But we do have fun because it's a garden party. We don't care who you are, who your mama and them are, what kind of style you have or what you know or don't know. If you want to uh, give us a call, that's what we do. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. We've got the lines wide open right now, but I'd like to go ahead and, and, uh, and, and pose kind of a cheesy Eastern European tune about what does a fox say. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener and your phone calls right after this. Horticulture's fellow Russian, me and Java and, uh, and, and Kevin Farrell and all the other folks. Go for it. Dog goes woof, cat goes meow, bird goes tweet, and mouse goes squeak. Cow goes moo, frog goes crow, and the elephant goes toot. Dogs say quack, and fish go blub, and the seal goes ow, ow, ow. But there's no sound that no one knows. What does the fox say? Chasing mice and digging holes Tiny paws up the hill Suddenly you're standing still Your fur is red, so beautiful Like an angel in disguise But if you meet a friendly horse Will you communicate by more-o-o-o-o-s, more-o-o-o-o-s, more-o-o-o-o-s? How will you speak to that? Oh-o-o-o-o-s, oh-o-o-o-o-s, oh-o-o-o-o-s. What does the fox say? Kidoki folks, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. I hope you like that cheesy tune. What does a fox say? I just kind of shortened it a little bit because it irritates even me. Uh, I need we need a disco ball for that kind of music. Anyway, I've got an email I want to share with you while we're off the uh, while we're listening to the tune. But uh, let's go to Jackson and talk with Britton. Good morning, Britton. How are you? Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? 
well, I, I'm a very much an amateur gardener myself and uh, kind of late to the game as well. I, I was hoping to, to plant some vegetables uh, <laughs> at this time of year while I had some free time off of work. I didn't know if you had any recommendations as far as what, what would be good to plant. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. We're, we're sort of in between. We're in a little temporary lull because what, what happened, it, it, it might freeze next week, you know. It, it's supposed uh-huh. to freeze next week. So okay. things that can normally take really cold weather, when you first set them out, they're a little tender. So, you know, it's a yeah. gamble whether they have time to toughen up before a freeze or, or if you want to wait till after that freeze passes to get started. Uh, anyway, are you going to plant these in like dirt or a raised bed or a container or what? It's a raised bed, full sun. Yeah, uh, well, in, in that case, if you'll go ahead, uh, you know, while you can, and kind of work the dirt up, add a little compost to it, this time of year, you can set out uh, small broccoli plants, cabbage plants, a little bit early. You know, typically I wait till middle of February, uh, but you can sow seeds of lettuces, you know, mix different lettuce together, sow those seeds, mustard. Um, you could, if you wanted to try your hand at some onions, you buy these little small onions called sets and put a few of those out, but... Right now, we're still in the, the, the sort of in-between where I would spend the next, oh, two or three or four, two or three weeks or so just kind of getting ready and then gamble on things that like the cool weather. So, you know, the, the trick is you need to plant these things early enough in the late winter or early spring so they'll mature before it gets too hot in the summer. Uh, in other words, we don't want to wait till, we don't want to plant summer stuff until the soil warms up in, in April, but... You can try your hand with any kind of leafy greens, broccoli, cabbage, potatoes, Irish potatoes, things like that. Awesome. All sorts of all sorts of stuff there. All right. Thank you very Uh, much. Hey, hey, one one other thing. You can also, you know, swing by one of these box stores. You know what rebar is, don't you? No, I do not. Okay, it's these, it's these uh, metal rods are about as big around as your finger, and they come, you know, in different lengths, and they're kind of knobby. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, it's called it's called rebar. It's uh, it anyway. You can get uh, different size and make you some hoops to bend over your thing, and then have you some plastic, some clear plastic. You can throw over the hoops if it's going to get really really cold, and you can you know treat it like an miniature green out. As long as you pull it off when the sun comes out, so you don't steam your plants, you can create a little micro greenhouse with you know okay. maybe two or three feet tall, like a covered wagon. That's really easy to do okay. with the raised bed. Okay. All right. I'll I'll, t- I'll look into that. Thank you very much. Okay. The m- main thing is be sure if you do that to, to open one end of it to let some of the steam out if the sun comes out. I see. And, and what do you cover the top with? Uh, just what the just clear po- poly polyethylene, just clear plastic. You can get it by the different okay. size rolls. And uh, you know if if you'll if you'll staple uh, the the two sides of it with like a two by four, you can just use it just to roll it over and unroll it real easy back and forth. Or shoot me an email; I'll send you some pictures of how I do it, real okay. real easy. Okay, I'll do that. Have fun. Thank you. Okay, see ya. All righty, let's slide back up to Oxford. Hey, Gary. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. I appreciate you taking the call. Got a couple yeah. burning questions. Uh, I've got one of those butterfly bushes that is just real stalking, and I was wondering if that's something that you prune all the way down to the ground. And the other question is about when's the time to prune boxwoods? Okay, uh, two two separate things. Uh, The the butterfly bush, uh, the buddleia, 
you don't prune it to the ground. You can prune it down to knee high if you want to, you know, sort of like a treat it like a big rose bush. You can cut it back pretty far in the wintertime. And then uh-huh. in the summer, as it grows, when, when, when one of the branches blooms and the flowers fade off, it just sort of sits there for a while. But if you'll go in every now and then and just snip or break off the branches that finish blooming, they'll sprout yeah. back out and keep on. You, you'll get more flowers if you break off the, uh, uh, the, the faded flower stalks every now and then. It keeps it more compact. But I wouldn't cut it down yeah. more than about knee high or so. Okay. And right. now, as far as the boxwood, boxwoods are evergreens. Uh, you can prune them like you would any kind of evergreen plant, but here's the deal: boxwoods are slower to come back from pruning than other bushes. I've got one boxwood in the middle of my front yard. It's the only what I call round bush I've got, and I keep it pruned <laughs> tight just to show my neighbors that I know what to do. Uh, and my mine's gotten about chest high, and I want to start it back over. So I'm gonna wait till. Oh, probably the latter part of next month, first part of March, I'm going to cut it down pretty far where it's got no leaves on it. And then when Uh the new growth comes out, I'm going to shear the new growth so it bushes out instead of getting long and skinny. But anyway, just keep in mind, they're going to sit there till spring anyway. They're kind of slow to come back out, so I'd wait another month or so on the boxwood. Okay, great. I really appreciate it. Okay, good luck on it. See you, man. Thanks. Take care. You know, while we were on the uh, during the break, listening to the to the Fox tune, I got an email from Susan Carruth who wanted to know about her camellia. She got an old camellia. The leaves are splotchy yellow, and they got this white crusty stuff on the bottom of the leaves. That's a type of scale insect. It's called T scale or camellia scale. Gets on the bottom of the leaves and the twigs, and it's really important uh, with camellias that have this to do two things. Prune the plants back. You can prune a camellia where it has no leaves left on it at all. It'll sprout back out. Do that. That gets rid of most of the scale that's on it, the leaves and the twigs. And then spray the stubs with stuff called dormant oil. Dormant oil is a horticultural oil, and it covers up and it smothers the scales that are left. So when the plant puts out new growth in the spring, it'll be nice and clean. So just spraying alone is not going to really help. You can't get rid of the existing scale. So light pruning, moderate pruning, spraying with dormant oil, that'll clean up camellias really, really well. Uh, Now let's uh, talk to um, Bill in Greenwood. Hey, Bill, thank you for calling. Hey, Felder, how you doing? So far, so good. What's going on? Uh, I like your cheesy music, but I've got one that uh, requests one of my favorite singers, Al Jolson. I hope you can find it and play it sometime because the Robins are here already. we got so many Robins here. Low. We we did we we did the Rob Robins come bobbing along Al Jolson song about two years ago. Yeah, well, you it's a good. It's a good one though. Oh yeah, uh, I was riding around and I didn't see anything blooming at all, and I all of a sudden uh, this person had on the side of the house uh, it looked like a big tall bush and it was about dead, but it. It was putting out all kind of pretty blooms. I think they were pink, or maybe yeah. yeah. What kind of plant was that? Is that a camellia or something? But it had no leaves at all on it. It had leaves all on it, but it was, it was kind of sparse, like it was just yeah. struggling. And uh, uh, the people had just moved. What well, they had just moved in, and they had skinned it all up, and it looked like they yeah. thought about. Pull it up, but you know it's a beautiful well, plant. 
Yeah, my my, my my guess, my guess, and keep in mind that, that because of that cold weather we had uh, a couple of months ago and the warm weather, we're having plants blooming uh, early this year. There are plants blooming right now that shouldn't bloom until March. But So it, yeah. it could be an early blooming, what, what we call a Japanese or Oriental uh, magnolia, but it's most likely just a legio camellia, camellia japonica. They've got pink flowers this time of year, even and old ones can be kind of leggy looking in the delta after after bad weather. It's probably If the flowers are about the size of a teacup, probably camellia, old-fashioned camellia. If pink perfection. Well, I've seen that growing around Greenwood all my life. Yeah. Well, I saw one uh, uh, guy had maybe last year or so. It was pretty tall, but it had big, pretty white flowers on it. it was well, like I said, there, there's all sorts of shrubs that, that could be. But this time of year, if it's blooming like normal, that would be Camellia japonica, probably the one called Pink Perfection. Uh, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, there's my great-grandmother, I'm from Indianola. My great-grandmother planted a pink perfection camellia before my dad was born, and it's blooming right now. But uh, anyway, that, that would be my educated guess. But again, lots of stuff is blooming earlier than normal, so without a picture, I couldn't get any more close than that. Yeah. If you're from Indianola, you probably remember Flo, don't you, Flo Flowers? Um, nope. That I worked at... No, no, I, I, I worked at a garden center called Pearson's Nursery a long time. But anyway, we're talking about 40 years ago, a long time yeah. ago. Well, so anyway. I, I, I knew this old lady. She was a real sweet lady, and I used to go buy uh, all kind of plants from her. She had a little garden center, but kind of a little makeshift kind. And she told I, me. I don't know. Don't know. You. Don't know. She said, long, long, long time ago, man. A lot of water under those bridges. But uh, anyway, we got a scoop, man. Good luck. Hey, if you can get a picture of that thing, shoot it to me. I'll see, we'll see if we can nail it. Thank you, Felder. All righty, man. Now let's go to Houston, David. We're talking about Houston up in North Mississippi, aren't we? Yes. All righty. What's going on? Uh, I have a, a rose bush that I want to transplant. Been in the yeah. ground probably 25 years where it's at, and I need to move it. When to do? When should I do that? And should I cut it back? But you know, before I move, whatever. Yeah, yeah. If you don't cut it back, first of all, it's going to eat you up, and it's probably going to suck itself dry and die. It's real important to cut it back, and you can cut these things back to two, three feet tall. It does not hurt a rose to cut it back hard at all. And if you'll cut it back before you move it, it's a whole lot easier to dig it without breaking up those roots. Uh, but I would not do this until after you've already dug the hole where it's going. Once you get that done, you may decide you want to put off the rest of it a day or two. But dig the hole where it's going first. Add a little stuff to it. You know, don't overdo it. And then when you get ready to move it, cut it way back, dig it up, put it in a new spot, throw some leaves around or bark around it, and walk away. It should do fine. Well, thank you, sir. That was my question. Okay. Pre oh, oh, by the way, Dave, if it's a good plant, you can also take cuttings this, this time of year about the size of a pencil. You know, not the really little stuff on the tips, not the big old stuff, but somewhere towards the end of what grew last year, you can stick pencil-sized cuttings most of the way into some pretty good dirt, and they'll root this spring. It's been done forever. Take cuttings of that's, it just in case something happens to the old one. That's good information. Thank you very much, Felder. All right. Appreciate it, David. Thank you. 
Ooh, I've been getting uh, phone, uh, emails from folks sending me pictures of daffodils, irises that are blooming earlier. I know the um, flowering quince should start be starting to bloom pretty well. We got camellias. There's just a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's also a, a flowering uh, a plant called Prunus mumi, flowering apricot, flowering. Uh, I think it's flowering apricot. Anyway, there are some plants that bloom well here, but you've got stuff in your lawn. You've got dandelions and henbit and garlic and onions, cool little plants that the butterflies and bees love. So if you can mow around a little patch of those and leave something for wildlife, that's no good. Even if you like to spray your weeds or have a weed-free lawn, leave a little patch for the wildlife. Come on, folks. It doesn't hurt anything. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Rushing, Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Give us a call. We've got the lines wide open. We'll be right back. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Russian. Got an email from Samantha Simmons who said that she repotted all of her indoor plants and a few days later, she noticed a cluster of little small mushrooms that popped up one of the pots. And now they're in all the pots. Anyway, a few little mushrooms popping up. I got another email from somebody who said they got these little gnats, these little tiny, almost can't see little flying nets around the potting soil. Both the mushrooms and the gnats are feeding on decaying organic matter. Neither one of them hurt your plants. They're not going to bother you. Uh, you take your glasses off, they both disappear. But both of them, to me, indicate you're keeping your plants a little bit too wet. Water plants really good, maybe twice, then let them dry out a few inches deep uh, so that the roots will grow down deep. But if you're keeping your potting soil wet, you're going to have fungus gnats, you can have mushrooms. You can also put a mulch on top, some uh, ornamental, some gravel or some, uh, some pretty marble chips, something like that. That'll keep the gnats and the mushrooms away. Uh, anyway, let's go over to Vicksburg and talk with Vic. Hey, Vic in Vicksburg, what's up? Hey, Felder, how you doing? So far, so good. What's up? Great. I've got some muscadines, and I'm afraid I pruned them a little bit too late last year, and I was wondering the best time to prune them. Uh, well, you know, mus muscadines, keep in mind that muscadines, if you prune them and we have a warm day, they're going to spurt sap. They bleed really, really hard when you cut them. Don't let that bother you. But you can start pruning muscadines from when they start dropping their leaves in the fall up until before they put out new growth, which would be towards the end of sometime in March. But middle of the winter is probably the best time. Um, uh, let me ask you this. Have you grown these a while? Have you grown muscadines a while? Yeah, they've been about six or seven years. Okay, so you know to leave stubs of last year's growth then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I go back to, like, the first little bud. Yeah, one, one or two bud. And then you can thin some. Yep. If your plants are four, five, six years old, you can even, even thin some of those clusters out. But the main thing is the later you wait, the more they're going to bleed. It's going to spurt sap. It doesn't hurt them at all. Don't worry about okay. that. But I go in and do it now. Even though if it's cold and you do this, you're going to whip yourself across the face with those with one of those little uh, vines. It's going to sting. So just be careful. Yeah, well, it sounds like a good project for next week. That way I feel like I'm doing something but not doing anything dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes me about 15 minutes to prune a muscadine vine. So if you got more than four, it's gonna, you know, you got to set aside a little time. Yeah, yeah, I've got eight of them, so 
Okay, take take your time. You know, a little at a time, one at a time. You know, as you sort of work yourself up, get into a, you know, have a fit, prune them, and you're done with it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, it's doing. I'm gardening, so I, you know, it's it kind of helps <laughs> kill the bug. To plant anything new, I can wait. You know. There you go. There you go. Anyway, uh, I get it done. You know, you can prune them as late as you want, but hopefully before they spray, sprout back out. But this month and next are probably the best. All right, sir. I appreciate it. You bet, Vic. Thank you. Okay, now over to Jackson. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt here. How are you? What's going on? I plan to be a botanist this year, and I'm going to save the, try to save the seeds from my very, very best flowers and vegetables and plant them again next year. Do you have any recommendations as to how to store them? Uh, yeah, the, you know, the, the idea is whatever kind of seed they is, store them cool and dry. You know, something like a tomato, you know, you got to get the seeds out and sort of let the, you know, get all the jelly off and get them clean, but let them dry. Uh, being any kind of seed, let, you know, make sure that the, that, that the fruits you're getting out of are ripe, that the seeds are, are, are mature. Uh, sometimes we pick vegetables before the seeds are, are, are mature enough. But anyway, the idea is put them in like little paper bags or envelopes, write the name of it and the year that you harvest them, and then just keep them indoors. In a, and I keep mine in an old shoebox in, in uh, envelopes, and if they're more than two or three years old, I just throw them out. But cool and dry is a, is a, a mature and then cool and dry. Any uh, advantage in putting them in the refrigerator? No need to whatsoever. No need to. Okay. You know, if you if you if you want to store them for 15 or 20 years, keep them cool like that. Sort of suspends them a little bit, and some can last for a long time that way. But there's no real no no real need to do that if you're just going to uh, keep them for a year or two. None at all. Well, thanks very much. Okay, Jim. Good to hear from you, Dean. Stay stay dry. Okie dokie, folks. Um, you know, give us a call. We've got plenty of time to, to work in some calls, and the lines are wide open. Toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, got uh, an email right back from Susan Carruth. Uh, uh, I just, uh, Car- excuse me, Carruth. Um, I uh, had sent her a, a thing about her camellia. She said some of the camellias are planted by her grandmother over sixty years ago. They're healthy and bloom, but some of the tall can't get to the flowers to cut. Wants to know if they could be pruned. Uh, yes, you can prune camellias down to knee high to just stumps, uh, and bigly, and they'll sprout back out just like rejuvenating an old holly or an azalea. You can cut them way back, uh, but it'd probably be better to just thin out some of the tall stuff and uh, and you know kind of keep them as a statuesque old shrub. Does it hurt a, pr- a camellia to be pruned hard at all? Uh, none whatsoever. Uh, so anyway, uh, appreciate your call about your email. I hope that works. Um, I got a um, an email from somebody who wants to know about a type of bamboo that really runs. Uh, it's it's a, a, a running ground cover kind of bamboo. Wants to know how to get rid of it. Um, it's not easy to do that. The runners are not the roots. They're they're underground stems and they're fairly shallow. So it's really possible this time of year when the ground is moist to get out and, and, and pull as much as you can and try to get as much of it up as you can. And that'll get rid of the vast majority of it. And this spring, you'll see what's left. It'll sprout back out. And it won't be that much. And you can pull those before they get established. Uh, but anyway, if you could pull up what you can, it's possible to run a tiller over it lightly just to break them all up. They come up real, real easy. And then you can clean up what you miss 
uh, this summer. Just don't put it off another year or start all over again. Uh, but that's a way to get rid of invasive things like like the, the little bamboos, Asiatic jasmine, ivy. Get as, as much of it as you can, roots and all, and then be sure to come back uh, early on next summer before it gets established again and pull up what you missed that first time. Uh, now let's go over to Columbus. Hey, Bernie, thank you for calling. Bernie. No, Felder, hold on. We um got an influx. We just, I mean, we got a, uh, it's a two-man operation back here. You know, you know how it goes. And it, so, so, so yeah, I, I, are you saying I'm a little over-aggressive here this morning? Just a little. You hear the, the phones are going crazy. We, we got, oh, just give us a second. We're going to get Bernie though. Yes, <laughs> yes, dear. Appreciate it. Just let, let me know. <laughs> anyway, John Thomas, I hope that helps with your bamboo. It's not fun getting rid of invasive little plants, but it can be done. The first time is the hardest, followed up, it's not so hard. One more time and it's completely done. It's like eating an elephant, just take it a bite at a time and hope that you started at the right end. I hope that's not too coarse. Um, if you've got some things you'd like to share with me, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Be glad to, to help a whole bunch. Um, and if I don't know something, I'll look it up anyway. Now let's talk to Bernie in Columbus. Hey, Bernie, thanks for calling. Hey, Felder. Howdy. What's up? A, a, a huge, beautiful river birch in our backyard that's in the process of dying. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, it could probably go on a few more years, but we're debating on taking it out and putting a, a native tree in its place of some another yeah. native tree. What, what would yeah. you recommend uh kind of lean well, towards well, the red maple but um well you know if you're as you're ground you know parts of columbus are hilly parts are flat if you've got an area that's kind of low and stays kind of wet river river birch is a native tree and you can start a new river birch every 15 or 20 years and it does great so no you know and and the, the young ones had that real pretty bark so you can go with another river birch if the area stays kind of dry that's when I would go with a maple. Maples are upland species. They, they, they don't like low, flat areas. River birch is a low, flat area uh, plants. So, um, you know, we've got some really good uh, sugar maples that have pretty color, uh, ginkgos, uh, so many great plants. If you want just a good generic shade tree that's got beautiful bark, there's one that's called Drake Elm. It's, a, okay. it's a, a small type of elm, beautiful. They're used as street trees, but Drake is elm is a pretty fast-growing small tree with beautiful orangey, peely bark on it. You might want to look at that, Drake elm. Is that the elm. same thing as a lace, lace bark elm? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure is. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh -huh. Drake lace bark elm. It's a pretty yeah. little tree. You know, it's kind of a generic shape. It's like a lollipop-looking thing, but it's a yeah. pretty one, and it's pretty fast-growing, too. Yeah, Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Well, you know, that's that's just a handful of examples, you know, but, you know, I've got a short list of what I could really good native yeah. trees and, and, and also large shrubs. Yeah. If you want to yeah. shoot me an email, I'll send that to you. Okay. Well, we've loved the river birch and it's got it's a heritage and it's it's got a real scaly bark. I mean, it's beautiful. And they're yeah, mad. they're they're meddling, Her but uh yeah, I remember when Heritage first came out. It just came out like in the in the early '80s or so when it was first uh -huh. introduced. And it is it has unusually lighter colored bark yeah. than the than our, our the regular native. But no reason why you couldn't put another one of those and enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay. Good luck on it, Bernie. Appreciate it. 
Okay, let's go way down south to Poplarville. Hey, Amy, good morning. Good morning, Felder. I have a question about yeah. my azaleas. Okay. Um, they've kind of eaten my driveway, and several of them are hitting about 15 feet tall. What do I do yeah. to bring them back down to earth? Well, you can take an azalea, and this sounds harsh. The first couple of times I did it, I was horrified, but I've done it countless times since then. You can cut an azalea to knee-high, knee-high, to just little, uh, sort of a little, you know, roundish snow cone shape. Just cut it back in a bush shape to just nothing but things as big around as your arm, and they'll sprout out like you wouldn't believe. So you don't you don't have to, but you can cut them that low. Wherever you cut them, though, Amy, the new growth is going to come out right there. So cut them down low, and then when the new growth comes out, be sure to snip the tips off of it so it bushes out instead of shooting up over the top of your house. But you okay. can do that anytime uh, from early spring to early summer. I wouldn't do any pruning past around the middle of July or so. But hard pruning is called rejuvenation. Tip prune that new growth, maybe hit it one more time in the summer, and, and you'll have pretty little bushes again. Okay, so uh, what, April? March, it, as soon as they get through blooming. Okay. And keep in mind, the Garden Club, the garden club lady is going to talk about you, but just hold your head up, go on. I'll sit Cousin George on them, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good luck on Let me know if I can help you some more. Thanks so much. You're the best. Okay, appreciate it. Okay, uh, JP in Gulfport, what's going on? Hey, JP. Hi there, how you doing? Doing good, what's up? All right, so I have a the little two-part question. I didn't know if you know anyone in Mississippi who might have a greenhouse like a uh, Tillandia distributor for like air plants? Or yeah, I, I do. I, I, own... I, I, can't, I can't tell you their names right off the top of my head, but there's several people who sell them, and also uh, some folks in, in uh, Louisiana and Alabama who do that. Okay, awesome. Oh, yeah, we actually, so different uh, kind. Little... Uh, if you shoot me an email, I can put you in touch with them. I can't remember off the top of my head. Definitely, sure. And then also, we uh, work with a greenhouse in uh, California. It's like a small family run thing. That's where we get uh -huh. ours currently. And they always say that they prefer to be outdoors, uh, just like depending on the conditions, you know. And they can do fine indoors, but they just prefer moving air and bright indirect light. I didn't know if you had any uh, experience if you grew them in maybe a greenhouse or kept them inside or outside or what your recommendation Well, e even on the Gulf Coast, some of the tillandsias, a lot of the bromeliads will freeze even on the Gulf Coast. We only have a couple, ball moss and Spanish moss are two examples. Uh, and mm -hmm. we do have some, some terrestrial uh, bromeliads and a few uh, air bromeliads that will do fine just on the Gulf Coast. But again, you're going to have to shoot me an email because we're out of time. But I'll be glad to help with that. It's a lot of fun. All righty. Um, I'm leaving a caller hanging. Sorry, Gretchen. Shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I wish we had more time, but, you know, there's only three or four of us working this program every Friday. So, anyway, I'll be back same time, same place. I'm Horticulture's Phil Russian. Me and Java, Kevin Farrell, all the other folks in MPB, we appreciate you helping this garden party be possible uh, through our drive time supports. But if you get a chance this week, take a kid to a garden center. Get them a sack of bulbs or a little pot or something. Show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. And I always remind them, like Dr. Sue says, you cannot be number one without being odd. See y'all next week.